Welcome back to the Fan with the Plan podcast. My name is Rosie, and I'm here with my friend Courtney and our special guest, Courtney's niece, Claire. Hello, ladies. Hello. I'm the fan in the title, and it's my plan to turn Courtney into a fan of all the things I love, which is Disney, theme parks, Marvel, Pixar, etc. And this time I'm asking Claire for help because I heard from Courtney that Claire is also a fan of a lot of these same things. So Claire, first, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us where you live, how old you are, and what is your fan history with Disney and the like? I'm in eighth grade and I'm 13 and I live in Memphis, Tennessee, and I've liked Disney since I was like little. Like when did you first start liking it? Probably when I was like four, because we would always watch Disney movies when I was little. And what is your favorite Disney movie? Sleeping Beauty. And why do you like it? I just like the animation and the characters. And do you have a favorite Disney character? I'd say either Mickey Mouse or Stitch. Okay. And uh, your Aunt Courtney told me that you have not yet been to Disneyland or Disney World, but you really would like to go. Yes. Okay. If you could go to one, which would you go to first? Probably Disney World. Well, it's definitely closer to where you live. Yes. So I also heard from your Aunt Courtney that she got you and your sister Disney Plus for Christmas. And have you been watching it? Yes, I watch it every day. Have you found anything on there that's older that you hadn't seen before? I don't think so. I haven't watched like a bunch of things, but I'm watching Hannah Montana right now. Okay. And then I watched the usual Beauty last night. Nice. How many times have you seen it? How many times do you think you've seen Sleeping Beauty? Probably 10, 15 times. Awesome. Well, we're going to start with news and. First up, I think this news item was written specifically for me because earlier this week I read that Disney is finally making a third film in the National Treasure franchise. And I unabashedly love these movies. They're basically an amalgamation of all the things I love, action-adventure movies, American history, Helen Mirren, who does her own stunts in the movie, the fact that Nicolas Cage's character is named... Benjamin Franklin Gates. And uh, the third movie will be written by Chris Bremner, who wrote the most recent Bad Boys film. And it will be produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, a big action movie producer. The final one was released, which was the second one, in 2007. And Courtney and Claire, have you seen the National Treasure films? No. No, but I've been seeing the buzz on social media, and it seems like people are pretty excited. It weirdly has a cult following, these films. They're just fun, kind of cheesy action-adventure films with Nicolas Cage. The first one, he and his crew steal the Declaration of Independence because it has a treasure map hidden on the back. And so they have to steal it from the National Archives. And then the second film, I wouldn't say that they steal something as much as they have to gain access to protected artifacts like a desk in Buckingham Palace, Mount Rushmore. They kidnap the president of the United States. And this is all to prove that Benjamin Franklin Gates's ancestor is innocent because 
someone finds or has John Wilkes Booth and um, Claire, I don't know if you know who John Wilkes Booth is, but he is the man who assassinated President Lincoln. And he had a diary, apparently. And in this diary, it, it accused the main character's ancestor of being a traitor to the United States. The second movie is called Book of Secrets, and it shows a hidden book that's been passed down between American presidents over the years that supposedly has all the answers to the great American conspiracy theories like the truth of aliens at Area 51. So can either of you think of any artifacts that they could steal that would be interesting? Courtney, do you have anything? Artifacts of what? Like historical artifacts. They could steal. Do we, you mean, because we don't know what the movie plot's going to be. So we're just kind of guessing. Yeah. So the rumor years ago was that num- the number three film would be called International Treasure and that the team would be tasked with stealing a famous world artifact like the Crown Jewels, the Shroud of Turin, the Rosetta Stone, or the Ark of the Covenant, which, if you are a fan of the Indiana Jones movies, you know it's being kept in a warehouse in Nevada because Indiana, <laughs> Indiana got it back and then they put it into storage. But yeah, um, I was gonna. Yeah, I'm curious. Well, I don't even. Uh, sadly, I can't remember what this is. But the Tabula Rasa, Rosa, mm-hmm. is that it still exists? <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of the famous world artifacts have to do with. They're religious, right? Like I was saying, like the Shroud of Turin or the Ark of the Covenant. So yeah, there's some big things around that. Probably some stuff around the Freemasons, even though these movies have previously touched on Freemason history. This is probably all going over Claire's head, all of this. (laughs) Maybe you'll get to this history later in school. I do have a question. You mentioned something about Mount Rushmore. How did they steal Mount Rushmore? They didn't steal it, but they got inside to this part of Mount Rushmore that I don't know if it exists, but then the movie exists where there's like treasure inside Mount Rushmore, basically. Well, maybe I will. Maybe we can, Claire and I can watch the first one together. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see how the National Archives protect the Declaration of Independence along with some of our other famous scrolls um, and how they attempt to steal it. So. I'm very excited that a third movie is being made. And even if it doesn't come out for two or three more years, I'm looking forward to it. So they just announced that they're making it. They haven't made it yet. Yes. And all of the nerds like myself on Twitter were like going crazy at this news. Because there's been rumors like every year or so it will pop up that they're going to make the third film. And then they never, it never comes to be. So. And so this is something Disney has the rights rights to? Yes. Well, Disney, yeah, so Disney is produced the, the previous films in the franchise, so it's one of their franchises. Cool. Also this past week, Universal Studios showed off some elements of its upcoming Super Nintendo World, which will open in Osaka, Japan, a few months prior to this Summer Olympics in Tokyo. And guests from the theme park will be able to download an app and buy an activated wristband called a Power Up Band featuring characters like Mario and Yoshi. And the wristband will interact with portions of the land, like the the wands at Wizarding World of Harry Potter do, and allow players to collect coins like they do in the Super Mario games and compete against one another. They showed an example of someone 
punching the bottom of a question mark box like they do have in the games and it gives you coins in the app and you hear the little like one up chime sign that's awesome so Courtney, Courtney I know that you like early Nintendo and Mario what about you Claire are you a Nintendo fan not really have you played any of the games yes <laughs> as fun as Disney I don't think well so the, I didn't realize that the Nintendo land is going to be in Japan yes but they are bringing it to the American Universal Studios parks as well it's just opening at the Japan Universal first yeah, I would love to take a trip to Japan. That's a good idea. A good good motivation, among other things there. For sure. And I think that this type of interactivity that we've seen at theme parks, like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and now this, where you're actually like able to interact with props or sections of the land is kind of the future. And I think it's really cool and adds to the engagement. I know... Courtney, you and I know someone who was obsessed with Pokemon Go when it was at its height. And I think that this is like the next level of that type of gaming. Well, it's just proof that, you know, with the whole like sound of the coins that we're all, even if we're not gamers, that's really what makes us, I think, addicted to technology is the the sounds. I mean, even with like the Apple AirPods, like the, the clicking of the case and the pulling out of the airpod and the chime you hear when it goes in your ear it's just something satisfying i mean even like with banking apps you know they even on my bank of america online account there's like these things that you can do and get coins and then once you get four or five coins you get like five dollars and it's just it's interesting how it's almost it's very meta like you're going to a nintendo theme park but you're actually gaming while you're there with your little wristband Totally. And I think it's fun that you'll be able to compete against people in your party. So like family or friends, or even I think that they said that you'll be able to compete uh, park wide with everyone who's there that day. And they'll like show the leaderboard. And I think that that like really gets people engaged. See, that kind of overwhelms me when I have that many people. I just, I'm like, eh, I'm not even going to (laughs) try, but some people just love it. So good for them. Yeah. I mean, Gaming is popular for a reason, right? Like people like to compete, even if it's not physical. Well, there's kind of something for everybody, which is what I've come to realize with Disney parks and other theme parks too, is I don't consider myself an avid Disney fan, but Disney also has the rights to so many things that I don't even know they have the rights to that when you go there, if you're a foodie, you're going to love the food. If you love the you know, learning about other cultures, you've got Epcot. So, I mean, I feel like they've done a good job of, if you can get somebody there that didn't think they were interested, I think they'll find that they're pretty amazed. So since we have two members of the same family on this podcast for the first time, I figured we would do a face-off with trivia. So this is a family (laughs) face-off. You'll each receive uh, five questions and I'll ask them directly to you. And the most correct answers wins so courtney you're up first all right if these are disney then claire's definitely gonna win wait are they disney uh some are disney i gave courtney some that are also from our era so universal films um but everything is like mainstream pop culture based all right sounds fun So Courtney, which of the following, so this is multiple choice, which of the following is a member of Hufflepuff 
house at Hogwarts in the Harry Potter series. And I specifically chose Hufflepuff because that's my Hogwarts house. I was going to say, I know Rosie is. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, which, um, how, which house are you at Hogwarts? Ravenclaw. Oh. Yeah, I have Ravenclaw too, so. Whoa. Ravenclaw aunt and niece. And I think Claire's sister Jane is a Hufflepuff, right? She's she wanted Gryffindor. To, she wanted to be Gryffindor, but I think she's really Hufflepuff. Yeah. But she actually comes more with Gryffindor, so. Everyone wants to be Gryffindor because Gryffindor is like the cool kids and like the most brave and the most followed in the books and movies, but. Because the main characters are in that. Yeah. I like yeah. my Ravenclaw. I'm, I yeah. stand by that. Okay. So which of the following is a member of Hufflepuff house at Hogwarts in the Harry Potter series for Courtney? Cho Chang, Cedric Diggory, or Sirius Black? What was the first one? Cho Chang, Cedric Diggory, or Sirius Black? I think it's the first one. Cho Chang? Yeah. That's wrong. (laughs) She's also Harry Potter's old girlfriend. I did not know that. Oh, the Asian girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's, um... What is she in? What house? Ravenclaw, I think. Yeah. I should have known that then. Oh, Cedric Diggory. So is it is it B? Yeah, it's Cedric Diggory, who is famously played by Twilight star Robert Pattinson in the Harry Potter movies. He sadly comes to an untimely demise, but I think is probably the most famous Hufflepuff until you get to the Fantastic Beasts movies, because the main character in Fantastic Beasts, Newt Scamander, is a Hufflepuff too. Oh, yeah, I like him. Yeah. He's the guy from that we talked about, Rosie, that we liked. And I'm blanking on his name. That's Eddie, in the- Eddie Raymond. Yes. Yeah. All right. What's my next one? Okay. So, Claire, so we're going to alternate. So, Claire, you're up next, and it's true or false. Here's a statement Scrooge McDuck is Donald Duck's uncle. True or false? Scrooge McDuck? Um,. I want to say true. Okay, you're right. Yeah. This used to confuse me when I was a kid, when I was watching. Because I was like, his last name is McDuck. (laughs) (laughs) It would confuse me because I would watch DuckTales and Huey doing Louie call Scrooge McDuck Uncle Scrooge, but he's actually their great uncle because he's their dad, Donald Duck's uncle. So, but they still call him Uncle Scrooge, not great Uncle Scrooge. So you got that one though. That's so funny. Have you watched DuckTales? Yeah, I watched a few episodes of it. Are you watching the new one or the original one? The new one. Okay. Come on, it's on Disney Channel. Courtney, you're up next, and this is a fill in the blank. All right. A popular animated Disney film from 2002 about a Hawaiian girl and an alien titled Lilo and Blank. Stitch. Yes. Well, Claire mentioned it earlier, so. Yeah, it's one of her favorites. It's a good movie. But I didn't know he was an alien. He is. Really? I did not know that. He, he seems more like some sort of animal. He was created by that fat doctor. <laughs> a really weird doctor. All right, Claire, you're up next. And the question is, what is the name of Mulan's small dragon sidekick in the 1998 animated film? And hint, he's voiced by Eddie Murphy. Oh, Mushu. Yes. 
Claire's two now, Courtney. I know. I told you she was going to win. Mushu. He's cute. He's funny. You know, I just realized that Eddie Murphy is on both sides of the animation fence because Shrek is a universal animated film and he voices the donkey in the Shrek movies. Oh, I'm making waffles. <laughs> That's hey, he's oh, around and now he's, you know, in the in the new Netflix film movie that's getting Oscar buzz and stuff. So was it nominated? I think um some per- some of the performances, yeah, I think were nominated. Dolomite is my name, I believe is the name of that film. No. I almost said my name is Dolomite. <laughs> I'm always like almost into popular pop culture. Courtney, you're up next, and your question is, which of the following Pixar films has the highest rating on the Rotten Tomatoes? And your choices are WALL-E, Toy Story, or Monsters, Inc.? I would say, ooh, my gut was Toy Story, so that's my answer. You are right. Yeah. I knew it was that one. I knew it wasn't WALL-E. I mean, no, me either. WALL-E. I knew it was either Toy Story or Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Toy Story has a fantastic 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And there's four movies of it. Yeah. So she, Claire asked under her breath what Rotten Tomatoes was. It is a rating site for all types of shows and movies. And so the point is, the fresher it is, the more tomatoes. Or is it like you're throwing tomatoes? I can't remember. It's like you're throwing tomatoes. So you want to be fresh. So that means your tomatoes aren't rotten. And it's it's a, they, they have like an algorithm. So the number of uh, film reviewers that give it a positive rating contributes to its fresh score. So Toy Story with 100% means 100% of reviewers said that it was a good movie. If you get like, I think it's less than 50% of people say that it's good reviewers, then you're, you're that percent rotten and like really bad movies will have like 10% uh, fresh ratings. And the closer you get to zero, then you're getting into the horrible movie territory. And those are like non-professional and professional ratings. Mixed. Well, Now they have two ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and you can see it. There's a professional reviewers score. And that's like people that work for, Entertainment Weekly and the LA Times, people that review movies for a living. And then they have an audience score. And that's what people who actually, regular people who watch the movie gave it. And they don't always line up. Sometimes there's a big discrepancy between the professional score and the audience score. Yeah, and I can see why. Because the professionals are looking for things that maybe just the average moviegoer doesn't care about, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Claire's up next, and she has a fill-in-the-blank. What is the company motto for Monsters, Inc.? It starts with, we scare because... Can you finish it? We care. Did you say we care? Yes. Okay, you got it. (laughs) Great. (laughs) You can speak up so everybody can hear us. She's not used to talking on this, talking on a mic. It takes a while to get used to. I know. Then it gets kind of addicting. It's kind of fun. Okay, so Claire is ahead with three, but Courtney, you have two, so not bad. All right, what, am I next? Yeah, and you're, it's a true-false. The speed needed to achieve time travel in the Back to the Future films is 89 miles per hour. Do you think that's true or false? I think it's false. 
You're right. It's 88 miles per hour. See, I thought it was going to be higher. I've never seen that movie, so I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the throwbacks. Back to the Future. So do we think Claire would like Back to the Future? I do think it's a fun movie. I don't know. I think it holds up. It's one of my favorites. It's probably in my top 10 or 20 films of all time. Another action-adventure film. You know, great performances by Michael J. Fox uh, and some of the others. And there are multiple sequels. It, it depends. Do you like time travel, Claire? Mm, it kind of depends on the kind of time travel. Because, like, A Wrinkle in Time, I saw that movie. And that movie was... Okay. Okay. This one, I would say, is more realistic in a way. Like, the world that they live in to begin with is real. You know, wouldn't you say, Rosie? Yeah. Well, that's why your aunt probably likes it. Because your aunt Courtney always tells me she likes movies about real people. Yeah. Real situations. Yeah. Yeah, we might try it out. So it's not... Yeah. Yeah, why not? So Claire is up next. Claire, which of the following former child stars did not get their start on the Disney Channel? So the I'm going to name four females and pick the one who was not on the Disney Channel. Hilary Duff, Selena Gomez, Amanda Bynes, and Demi Lovato. What do you mean? Like the original Disney Channel? As in, like, 2008? Yes. I know. Like, who didn't start out on a Disney show, right? So, so yeah, like, yes. So, Hilary Duff was on Lizzie McGuire. Oh, yeah, I knew she was on Disney Channel. So, Selena Gomez. Okay. So, Selena Gomez was on, I believe, Wizards of Waverly Place. Amanda Bynes was on a show called All That. And Demi Lovato was in... Camp Rock and other shows with the Jonas Brothers. I'm going to say Amanda Bynes. You're right. All that, the show that Amanda Bynes was on, was on Nickelodeon, not the Disney Channel. Oh, Oh, I remember. I've seen that. Does Nickelodeon still exist? Yeah. Yes. I have a Nickelodeon hoodie. It's like orange highlighter orange. See, I think I watched maybe more Nickelodeon when I was younger than Disney. Yeah, me too. Well, so what was that, five to four? Uh, it's four to three. Claire has four, Courtney, you have three. So next up is Courtney. Which prolific author wrote Jurassic Park and created the TV show, ER? I don't get choices. <laughs> I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to... So the writer? Yes, it's a he, and he was a prolific writer who wrote the Jurassic Park books of which the movies were turned into. And he also was the creator of the television show ER with Steven Spielberg and also made Jurassic Park with Steven Spielberg. He's sadly no longer with us, but ER is based on his, uh, his time as in medical school. Was he known as an author of books before getting into tv and film yes is it mitchner or something no i'm thinking somebody else is he like a historical writer um yeah i'm sure but i'm gonna recognize it when you say so it. so the answer is michael crichton crichton yes <laughs> it's, there's a so, couple of that i lump in together and there's the stuff they write is nothing 
alike, but the names. Like, I think I was trying to say James Milchner. Is he a writer? I don't know. I'm not familiar if he is. Anyway, Michael Crichton, yes. Okay. But I he was a doctor. Yeah, so Michael Crichton has many, or ha- he, he's since passed, but he had many great fiction books, of which he also put in a lot of science. And the reason he knew so much science was he had gone to medical school and even finished his residency and then didn't take the board exams to become a licensed doctor because he realized it wasn't his passion. But he wrote a book partially about that called Travels by Michael Crichton that's about his real life. It's a really great book. And it follows his time uh, in medical school. And then also he, as a young man, traveled to India and some other countries and had some spiritual experiences there before he came back to the, the U.S. and became a writer. That's, yeah, and he, it's in the 30s here today, so it's sneezes are going around, I guess. I guess so. Well, Claire, you don't need to get this final question right because you already beat Courtney four to three, but I'll give it to you anyways. And it's kind of a harder one for someone your age. What year did Disneyland open? And your choices are 1953, 1955, 1956, or 1960. I'm going to say 1954. Off by one year, it was 1955. Oh. But you still won. Yeah, so it counts. Good job. Thing is, yours were a lot harder than mine because I obviously couldn't get the ones you did. Well, that's why the Except mastermind. Except maybe the Toy Story right one. Maybe I could have gotten that. Well, that's why she said she tried to pull some from my era, just so I might have a chance at getting a couple right. I wanted to give Courtney a few opportunities because there are probably some people at your school, some other 13-year-olds that know about Back to the Future or Michael Crichton and Jurassic Park, but it's probably less than know about stuff from the Disney Channel or Lilo and Stitch, so... I was trying to give Courtney a fighting chance, but, you know, you still beat her, so that's cool. Uh, Now we're going to go into a quick segment called Institutional Knowledge, where I try to school Courtney on something in the Disney realm that she may not know about just to make it so she's with the in crowd or she's cool. So, Courtney and Claire, do you know what a hidden Mickey is? Is it the one where it bounces? Mickey? Is it hitting? Hidden, like H-I-D-D-E-N, hidden. Um, is it just what it says, like a like a hidden, like a Where's Waldo, but in a movie where you see a Mickey? It can be in a movie, yes. So a hidden Mickey is something in the fan world that people, you know, like in, in video games or in movies, they have Easter eggs where little kind of meta inside jokes are hidden for people to find and that it's kind of like fun to find them and talk to people that have seen them and you compare. Well, in the Disney world that exists too. And it's called a hidden Mickey. So it's a standard black colored or three circled Mickey mouse logo that is hidden somewhere. And they have them in the theme parks. They have them in movies, merchandise, restaurants on their cruise ships. Some of them are hidden better than others. Like, I watched the Disney Plus movie Noel over Christmas, and there's one at the beginning of that movie in the carpet or in the tile of the floor that's not hidden well at all. It was like very blatant, but 
some of them are hidden very well because they're made out of landscaping, like rocks, or at restaurants, they make them out of plates. And over the years, the Imagineers have gotten more and more clever with them. I think my personal favorite that I've seen was at the Disney Animal Kingdom Park. I was at the petting zoo, and there was a hidden Mick, I guess kind of not so hidden, but a hidden Mickey shaved into the fur of a lamb. Oh, so they never like redo it because the hair is going to grow. Yes. So it's like a little game and they'll redo it and they'll change them around and move them and there'll be temporary ones and some, there are some permanent ones if it's in rock work or in tile work. There's a great website called hiddenmickeyguy.com. And that site says that the Imagineers first put Hidden Mickeys into the Epcot Park at Disney World as a prank because their bosses told them that classic characters like Mickey and Minnie didn't belong in a non-castle park like Epcot. (laughs) And so they started hiding them in there just as like a little joke amongst themselves. And people started noticing them and pointing them out and collecting photos of them. And it kind of took off from there. And so... I think personally, it's quite fun. I like to look for and find new ones as like a mini treasure hunt when I'm on Disney property or watching a Disney film. So just something, you know, if you go Disney World or Disneyland, or if you're watching a new Pixar film or a Disney animated film, just something to look for. So they do it in the Pixar stuff too? Yeah. They'll sometimes have them like in clouds or grass and... I think it's pretty cool. And it's a, it's a like a little nod to the fans and their kind of fervor for Disney and the product. Yeah, I love that. I love any kind of Easter egg hunt or like where's Waldo kind of things. I think that's awesome. Well, if we ever go to a Disney theme park together again at some point in the future, Courtney, we'll have to have like a hidden Mickey contest to see over the trip who finds the most hidden Mickeys. Yeah, because you said something about Animal Kingdom. You must have seen that in the sheep or the lamb, not when you were with me, right? I was with my mom. It was the first time I went. And yes, I have a photo of myself actually with that lamb and it's it's shaved fur into the hidden Mickey. Maybe you can share that on Twitter. For sure. I'll, I'll have to dig up the photo. By the way, you still owe me those photos of you near the opening of Epcot. Yes. And my mom, we're actually going to be having lunch with my mom and Claire's mom and Claire's sister, Jane. They're, after we record, we're going to have lunch. And my mom has, has promised me that she's bringing that photo album. So you're okay, going to sooner rather than later. We talked, Claire, we talked on the last episode about how Rosie wishes, if she could go back in time, she would love to go to Epcot within the first year or two that it opened. And when was it? 80? 80? 82. 82. And I told her that I had actually been there. If it was not 82, it was 83 because I was four when I went. Yeah, I think you probably were there within the first couple months of it opening. Which is actually, somebody in my family was really cool. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) was like, let's be the first to do this. And it was with this family that we're still friends with. So it may have been, I may have to give them the credit for planning that trip. So... Yeah, those pictures will be coming soon, and I'll share one on Twitter. So you can see my four-year-old self probably in a stroller really tired by the end of the day. That's like, cool. We can kind of pinpoint where at Epcot you are in the photo. Exactly. And, I mean, I know a four-year-old in a stroller seems old, but once you go to Disney World or Disneyland, you start to see that 
lots of kids get really tired by the end of the day. Well, also Epcot, there's a joke when it first opened that the acronym standed for every person comes out tired because of how large it was and how much walking was required. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. So those, I'm, I'm excited to revisit that album. I've seen it a, mil- a lot, but I'd like to see it again. I don't think Claire's seen it. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's the end of institutional knowledge. And now, Courtney, you're up and it's your chance to be the fan with your plan. All right. So since it is, what is it, mid to late January and we're heading into February, it's Girl Scout cookie season. And so Mm. I wanted to, in fact, I think most Girl Scout cookies are delivered like in February. And my boss's daughter is a new, she's either a brownie or a Girl Scout. And so I don't have any Girl Scouts in my family anymore. So I was like, yeah, I'll order a bunch from her. So I thought it'd be a good time to talk about my favorite Girl Scout cookie because everyone seems to have one. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, people kind of take pride in which one's their favorite. And so my favorite Girl Scout cookie kind of combines two things that I love, which are oatmeal cookies and peanut butter. And so the dough, and it's, it's a favorite of late. When I was younger, my favorites were, we call them trefoils. I've also heard them talked called truffles, but they're the butter cookies with like the silhouette of the women on it. Those used to be my favorite, but, and I also used to like Samoas, which I think depending on where you live, sometimes they're called caramel delights. Yeah. um, Recently I've become a fan of Dositos because I love, I've, Started to love sandwich cookies because what I do is, whether it be an Oreo or a dosi dough or whatever, I stick, this sounds kind of gluttonous, but I get like four or five or six of them and stack them in a, in a glass. And then I pour milk over it just enough to like cover the top of it. And I let them get like kind of soggy and I crunch it down with my spoon. And so it's just like this cookie crumb milk goodness. So that, I, those are my favorite. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what your favorite cookies are. Girl Scout cookies. Well, I'm a fan of the traditional Thin Mint, but I also enjoy the Samoa. All right. Do you like your Thin Mints in the freezer? Yeah, I think so. But I'll eat them not from the freezer as well. And yeah, the Thin Mints are problematic because I could eat a hunt, a, like a whole sleeve, like one of those plastic wrapped sleeves in a sitting without even realizing that I did it. Yeah. Cause they're thin and they eat like a chip kind of. Yeah. So Claire, what's your favorite one? I like the Samoas and the new s'mores ones. Mm. See the s'more, since it's a sandwich cookie, you could do that. They're a little bit bigger they're not, and they're not round. So to have to find a certain kind of glass for that. But I'll, I've always been a fan of like, it sounds weird, but soggy stuff. Like I liked my cereal to get soggy, whereas most people like it to get hard, you know, to stay crispy. But I'm just interested in your thoughts too about the fact that Girl Scout cookies are a limited time item, like makes them more special. Wouldn't you agree? They're like I would say so. Yes. Weirdly, I haven't seen any Girl Scouts selling the cookies here in Silicon Valley yet. So I'll have to keep an eye out. Usually they're outside grocery stores and certain other places, but I haven't seen them yet. So maybe they haven't reached the West Coast. 
Claire, were you a Girl Scout? No, my sister was for okay. six months. <laughs> and then she was- <laughs> well, you mentioned not seeing anybody, at the, at, seeing them selling it at, outside the grocery stores. I think they're actually taking pre-orders right now. So until mm. they come in, they won't be at the grocery store. And I think they come in like the second half of February. So what do you, do you think that the Girl Scouts is like a good idea for young girls to like get involved in stuff like that? It depends on the girl. I thought that it was not very smart. I didn't really like it. Just didn't fit your personality. Like, I thought that all the girls were like, oh my gosh, glitter, sparkles. Oh my gosh, my friends. Just well, like that. Maybe it depends on the truth. It's, it depends. Jane just didn't really like it. It wasn't really what she wanted to do. I didn't find it very entertaining because I had to sit through some of the meetings and they did a bunch of stuff. I didn't really like it. What about you, Rosie? I, so I was a brownie, but for a very short period of time. And I think it didn't really take off in my community or at my school because we didn't have like a strong troop leader. I think you have to have a troop leader, a mom, or, you know, it could be a dad in the community that really wants to make it happen and leads and plans the activities, but also chooses activities that teach the girls lessons and, you know, helps them learn certain life skills. And we didn't have that in community, my community, at least from what I saw. And so it didn't really take off. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do think from what I can tell that they've tried to like modernize it, you know, obviously there's different skills that girls in the present day will need that didn't even exist when I was that age. I was never a Brownie or a Girl Scout and I never really had interest in it. And I don't really know why, but Claire's mom, my sister, she was a Brownie and a Girl Scout, I think. Mm. But I do think the whole idea of selling the cookies and all that, it's it's been interesting to see that people that have no connection to the Girl Scout will be like, oh, I have a favorite, you know, just some random guy who's never had kids will be like, oh, I love the do dos or whatever the favorite cookie is. So it's worth talking about, I think. It's kind of timely for this time of year. Because Jane, one time she had a a booth and it was outside this pet, like, shelter, kind of, like a pet store. And there were a bunch of people that just came in with their dogs and they were like, oh, I want some Thin Mints. And they would just buy them because they were passing. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they don't go to just grocery stores. They really can go anywhere that they're assigned to. Yeah, now, and my boss, whose daughter is now a brownie, she told me that these places, like our grocery stores are called Kroger, most of them are. And so they have all these pre-approved sites. And like this other Mm. pet store was called Hollywood Feed. It's it's a chain, but it's it's a really kind of upscale like pet store. And they're now selling them outside of those. But it's what's funny is that now that door-to-door selling really isn't as in vogue as it used to be. There's a lot of online sales, but the when they do these sales outside of stores, it's kind of a scramble for each troop to find the best location. And they have, it's sort of like this, kind of like I don't know if it's like an online thing where you reserve your troops slots, but that part of it's become kind of competitive, which I think is kind of funny. But that was kind of my- That's interesting. If you've never tried a do-si-do, as long as you're not allergic to peanuts, give it a try and try it in milk. So, okay. 
Good tip. Well, I may not have been a Girl Scout really growing up, but one of my ma- favorite movies when I was a kid was Troop Beverly Hills. Have you seen it, Courtney? Yes. And I was going to ask Claire if she had seen it. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, that's kind of a classic. I loved it. It's a movie that stars Shelley Long, who used to be on Cheers, but she hasn't been around as much anymore, even though I think she played one of the adult characters' mothers on Modern Family more recently. And she plays this rich Beverly Hills housewife. And her daughter is played by Jenny Lewis, who was a child star in the 80s and 90s, but is now like an indie rock star. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah, she's a redhead. And they basically lose all their money because the parents end up getting divorced. And her mom becomes the troop leader and has to like teach them the life skills to survive, but in a way using the skills that she had maybe that didn't seem that (laughs) beneficial, like shopping and makeup and hair, but she finds a way, she finds an inner strength to help these girls. And I watched that movie probably 25, 30 times when I was younger. Yeah, I did too. And I kind of remember the the different character types for each Mm -hmm. of the girls. Like, maybe I'm not remembering right, but remember that child actor from the 80s? Was that in the 80s? It was, right? Yeah, I think it's like late 80s. It had the, she had like the wide, thick red hair and the bangs. Yeah. Is she in that movie? She might be. I know that Tori, a young Tori Spelling is one of the nasty girls that's on the other yeah. troop that tries to like um, ruin them. Yeah, we'll have to, I'm going to, that's one I would like to watch again. And I think Claire and Jane would like that one. It's a fun Uh, film. Well, before we go, I know back to the whole cookies thing. I know that at your job, you, with all the different flavors of Oreos that were coming out, that you guys kind of did like these taste tests. Yes. Do you have anything that you learned from that? Like about your favorite? Well, so there is a, I work in a newsroom and there is a man that I work with who brings in regularly the different flavored Oreos for us. And so we have tried every flavor I think that has been sold at any kind of supermarket or target in the last two to three years, which is a lot of flavors, at least a couple dozen. I'm not as big of a fan as some people of certain ones, but my favorite is always the classic. My real favorite is the fudge dipped mint ones. And I I even try to like not get him to bring them in that often because I'll eat too many of them. But I like, like if we're going classic, classic, I like double stuff probably. Yeah. See, I like, back to the whole like, I like things that are soggy. I actually like the, just the original Oreos that are not double stuff because the cream doesn't change form really when you put it into milk so I like the cookie part yes we also this past year probably in 2019 tried the mystery flavor they had like a mystery flavor and I'm pretty sure that it was churro that's what it tasted like to me yeah that and that's kind of become more popular in the past you know a few years so I could see that for sure what are some of the ones that you were did not think were a good idea for flavors so I don't like the pistachio ones. There was like a Dunkin' Donuts one that was like a Dunkin' jo- Donuts latte or something that I didn't think tasted very good. Mm-hmm. 
pistachio? Was it like the cream was a pistachio flavor? They were like the yellow cookies with, yeah, like pistachio cream. I just don't personally like pistachio in desserts unless it's like spumoni. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I like the peppermint bark ones at, at the holidays, but sometimes when they dye the cream, you can taste the dye and I don't like that. Like there's, there were these just plain Christmas ones that were just red dyed cream and I thought they tasted pretty gross. Yeah. I do like, I will say I like the gold, what are they called? The golden ones. What's your favorite, Oreo? Either the classic or the, there's a birthday cake one. Those are really good. They're like, it's kind of like original icing and then it has like sprinkles and some like flavoring. Yeah, I bet that one's a, I bet a lot of people like that one. I don't really like the mint ones as much because I don't really like mint. I guess that's why they keep making all these flavors, just finding. There was one that was like Swedish fish. Oh, like the chocolate. You mean the the filling tasted like Swedish fish? Yeah. Huh. They get desperate, I think, sometimes. There's there's some that's like strawberry cheesecake or like some. That one might actually be good. I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen some of the flavors you mentioned, Rosie. So maybe I just haven't been checking the cookie out. <laughs> Target regularly has like a whole, oh yeah, like portion like of an aisle to, to flavored Oreos, so we get them a lot there. That's cool. Well, that's fun. That that's like something to do in your break room and stuff. It's kind of fun at the office. Yeah, and everyone tastes them and says if they like them or not. There are two flavors that I don't like in desserts. Period. One of them is orange. I don't like orange in dessert, and I don't I like. Don't either bananas in dessert and so i haven't really seen that many banana or orange flavored oreos but if they had them i would not try them probably well banana pudding has like bananas that's actually i like banana banana pudding is good like with the yellow wafers or shortbread cookies or something again the soggy cookie (laughs) i think that's why i like bread pudding too because it's kind of got that texture i just like banana stuff I don't like banana flavored things like banana taffy or anything like that. Yeah. I like the, the laffy taffies. I just, I like grapes, but I don't like anything grape flavored. And same with blueberries. Yeah, they usually aren't very Blueberries authentic. is not a good flavor. Well, it's also because a lot of those, like, the candy flavors of like banana and strawberry and grape taste nothing like the actual fruits. Oh, yeah. And it's like a real that. artificial tasting. It's like medicine. I'm trying to think of one that actually tastes like what it is. And none of them? None of them. <laughs> Laffy Taffy kind of does. I think it kind of does. I think the banana Laffy Taffy tastes like an overly ripe banana, which I don't like. So, Like the type you would use in a banana bread or something? Like yes. it's like It's like almost fermented. Yes. I do like banana bread, but... Like you, I, I'm not. I don't like banana splits. I'd re- I like no, banana. I just would rather just eat the banana with peanut butter, something like that. Yeah, I'm fine eating bananas in like smoothies or having them as like a breakfast food, but they're not a dessert food just for me personally. Yeah, and the orange thing. I think there's a. I'm not positive. I think it's more of like a British flavor combination, but the orange chocolate. I'm just not into that. Same. I had a funny thing happen to me recently. So one of my New Year's resolutions is to try to eliminate as much single-use plastics in my life as possible. So I bought one of those 
reusable Starbucks cups that you can take into Starbucks and they'll put your coffee drink in it, which is great. And then one day at work, I needed a regular cup to put together this emergency packet with water. And so I, it, you know, emergency basically tastes like watered down tang or something. Yeah, and it <laughs> I drank it from there and I washed it with soap and everything. And then I took it to Starbucks and had them put a mocha in it. And I was drinking the mocha and I was like, why does this taste like a dark chocolate orange mocha? It's kind of gross. <laughs> and then I realized that the remnants of the emergency packet were still in the cup. Oh, I know. And that a lot of things can kind of leach into... I don't know. Was it one of the plastic reusable ones or like the stainless? The plastic. So yeah, it, it even kind of sometimes tastes like dish soap if you like don't rinse it enough. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because on my way over to Claire's house this morning, I brought, I had like a stainless Starbucks cup and I thought, you know, I'm going to go in and get my tall coffee and just, you know, they'll rinse it out with hot water. And then yeah, I think you actually get like 10 cents off or something. Yeah. So I that you know, it's loading up my car, brought my laptop, all that stuff, put the reusable cup in there because I'm trying to that's an easy way for me to cut out throwaways. Well, here I am, I sit with my plastic or my paper Starbucks cup with the plastic lid because I went in there and realized that I didn't even bring it into the store with me. And I could have <laughs> run out to get it, but I was kind of in a hurry. It was I should have. So now I'm using an extra cup for no reason. But I'll probably reuse it. I'll probably get some more coffee in it if my sister's got some downstairs. Yeah, you know, everyone just has to try their best. Sometimes you forget or whatever it happens, but. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the uh, the end of the podcast. So this is Fan With a Plan. I'm Rosie. On behalf of Courtney and Claire, thanks for joining us. And we're signing off. Goodbye, ladies. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good day. Goodbye.